Hey there, welcome to the Journey Into Main Feed. This is uh, Marshall Latham reminding you that uh, there is a Patreon for this podcast and this episode of Outfield Excursions where Rish and I talk about The Giver uh, premiered back on the Patreon page back in August. And uh, it's just now coming to the main feed because I just posted the latest episode of the Outfield Excursions where we talk about uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. So if you'd like to get a jump start on the next episode, uh, head on over to Patreon and sign up for just a dollar a month. And uh, there's other options over there with other extra shows. So uh, go check it out at patreon.com slash journey into. But right now, I'll let you get back to the main show. Well, hello there. This is Marshall Latham, and I'm here with Rish Outfield to present to you another episode of the Outfield Excursions, where we explore uh, different movies from different genres, from different times, and it's always fun to get together and talk about movies. And uh, this time, we had a poll from the uh, Patreon group, where we gave them several 2014 movies to pick from and it was a heated contest but eventually what was the film that won out here rish so it was a movie called the giver and i'll be honest i had never heard of this movie i somehow i missed it i see a lot of movies and even if i don't see them i tend to watch their performance or read the reviews of things right and and I'll make a mental note. I'll be like, okay, when when that comes out on video or something, I'll, I'll I'll check that out or I'll Netflix that. But somehow I missed this completely. In fact, I was surprised. I, I thought, okay, well, it had to have been a giant, giant bomb. Then it made sixty-seven million. That's not bad. Which isn't a giant. Oh, you know, it, it only made forty-five point one million here, but that's still. Enough of a, a a movie that I should have heard of it. Did you hear about this? I I did hear about it. I remember when it was coming out, and you know it was amid all of the other YA dystopian type movies. You know, in fact, look, you know, I I print out a huge list of 2014 movies, and this falls in with I think it was The Hunger Games: Mockingjay Part One. And the second movie in the Maze Runner series and the Divergent series was also in there. And so, yeah, it was during that time. Uh, but I remember the book being pretty famous. It The book came out in t- 1993. And I didn't hear about it then, but I think my, again, my daughter, she keeps coming up on this podcast. I think she had read it in grade school. And so she was familiar with the story. But you had never read it. But I had never read it. I, yeah, I didn't know the story and, and had never seen the movie. So, Well, I, uh, I have also never read the book. I've seen the cover. That cover is very familiar. So I got an insanely old Methuselah-looking dude on the cover. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was written by Lois Lowry. And uh, I guess we can talk more about the book later. But somehow it just, this, this passed me by. It's, it was directed by Philip Boyce, uh, sorry, Philip Noyce, who uh, 
I know from the Jack Ryan movies, he directed Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger. Oh, okay. Uh, they, there was that Angelina Jolie movie called Salt. He directed that. Do you remember that? And that Angelina Jolie movie called The Bone Collector. Oh, uh, okay. That was a book first, too, I think, too. Uh, it was. And then he made a movie in 1997 called The Saint. Oh, with Val Kilmer? With Val Kilmer, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. And then, like a lot of these, you know, that they, they kind of top-load it with some pretty big-name actors, uh, like Meryl Streep and Jeff Bridges are in this one. You know, because I, I think the Divergent series had... Uh, Kate... Um, Kate Winslet. Thank you. I don't know if the Maze Runner had anybody <laughs> in there. It did. I'm trying to remember if it was like Frances McDormand or one of those actresses. They always play like the... The authoritarian, you know, the, the, either the parent figure or the, the main bad guy. It must be fun, I guess, to play these things. But the, the, the teenage characters tend to be played by young actors that are just getting their start or that we don't really know. Uh, my guess is that they saw the success of the Hunger Games and every yeah. single studio said, what do we have that is like that? Yeah, and because The Giver, you know, had this, I guess, critical acclaim in the you know, like education and things like that, you know, it, it was probably a no-brainer. And it, I'm guessing it's a pretty faithful adaptation because it was, what what is it, uh, just over 90 minutes, I think? So it's, it's a fairly short film uh, compared to the other ones. <laughs> well, I, I haven't read the book, but I do know that all, that the main character is 12, in the book. And I believe they all turn 18 at the beginning of this movie. Basically, the triangle of teen characters. <laughs> uh, my guess is that yes. there are always a triangle of teen characters in these things. But I, I did want to mention yes. that it, it stars a guy named Brenton Thwaites who's an Australian actor, and I would have sworn I'd never seen him in anything. But he was in Oculus, which I saw and quite liked. He was in The Last Pirates of the Caribbean. He was like the main boy who was the son of Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan, if you remember. Uh, he was in Gods of Egypt, which I believe we talked about. We talked about one day seeing if we lost a bet. <laughs> and... Uh, Anyhow, I just I I didn't think I he was familiar looking. He's a handsome dude, but I just yeah he didn't have a face that stood out. Uh, it also has Alexander Skarsgård, who is the handsomest of the Skarsgård brothers, <laughs> and uh, Katie Holmes. Yeah, I was surprised to see her. I guess I didn't remember she was in it, and I didn't really look at the cast before I started watching it, but. Uh, I was like, oh, I didn't realize she was in it. She just seems so young. <laughs> anyway, she could she could have been one of the protagonists. But well, she will appreciate that you said that. <laughs> um, I I as I was watching the movie, I know we we're going to talk about the plot, but I I was at the cabin yesterday, uh, where we have solar power. Uh, you know, it, it charges up during the day and then at night, uh, you use it. And when I turned this on. And it was in black and white. I thought, oh, no, the power is about to go out. I'm going to miss <laughs> it. I'm, you know, it's going to shut off halfway through the movie. 
for some reason. I mean, it just didn't occur to me that a movie in the 20 teens would be in black and white. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a different choice there, but I guess it makes sense within the context of the story. Did you have a, a similar feeling at all? Or did you, you hadn't read the book. Did you watch it with your daughter? No, she has seen it, but uh, yeah, she she was watching something else at the time and didn't want to watch it. So, but no, yeah, that, that it was an interesting choice the the black and white thing. I, I I guess at first I thought, oh, something's wrong, but pretty quickly <laughs> I'm like, oh, they must be doing something here that's creative or you know, directory kind of thing. Or it was a cho- I figured it was a choice. So okay, yeah that that that's cool. I I thought it worked very very well the black and white thing, because early on he's looking at the girl, just this astoundingly good looking friend of his, and you you start to see like a little bit of color in her hair, right? But it's subtle enough that it was that that you think oh well maybe I miss maybe that was in my head. But as far as I know, that's the first color in the movie. Yeah, and then at one point he's looking up and he sees like green of the trees as he's riding his bike through the community. <laughs> well, so tell me uh, your your feelings on the film, Emma. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was fine. I, th- I thought it was. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting. Interesting. Marshall, specificity of language, please. Oh, oh, right. Specificity of language. Yes, there were some very uh, interesting phrases, phrasing in in this uh, and repeated sayings by the people in this story. And one of the ones that kept coming up was use specificity of language instead of using broad words and things like that. Well, I guess some sort of terrified precision of language i mean anxious i don't i still don't get that <laughs> I, I it just I, I i i understand by the end of the movie you understand that there are things that they don't have in their society right but early on i was just like what what is what did he say that was wrong well, I guess yeah. We we probably need to actually get into some of the specifics before we can delve into some of that stuff. Do you want to take a crack at at the basic premise of this or setup of this story? Okay. Well, I I will try. And it's one of those movies where it has a long voiceover at the beginning that's telling you about the world. It takes place in the future, in an enclosed city that it seems to be like on a mountaintop or something like that. There's just the city. There's nothing else. Like a cliff goes all the way around the city. And I think that they showed a, a, an aerial shot where it's just clouds surrounding the city. Like a high mesa. Okay, yeah. Because so, it's flat, right? It's in black and white, this world, and we're being introduced to the world by this guy Jonas, who's just turning 18, and he's our, our our main character, and the world that he lives in is good. 
and problem-free and everybody gets along and everybody is essentially the same. After the ruin, we started over, creating a new society, one of true equality. Rules were the building blocks of that equality. We learned them as new children. Rules like use precise language, wear your assigned clothing, take your morning medication, injected, obey the curfew, never lie. And the way that their society is set up is they have a childhood during which the elders, they, they, they pay attention to each of these children in school and in play and in their relationships. And then on their 18th birthday, they are given a task, a job, a career, a future, whether it is medicine or caregiver, birth mother, those kinds of things. Right. Um, it seems like one of the options was some kind of defense of the, of the city. So it's sort of a military, but but it's a society that doesn't need a military, doesn't need policemen. There is no crime, right? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much a utopian society where everybody does their part and gets along and contributes to society in some way. But it's all very controlled. Yes, absolutely regimented. And, and we see many, many shots of security cameras throughout the city that are always monitoring what people do and what they say and where they go. Uh, as far as I know, everybody is fairly equal. There's no poor people or rich people. Uh, and one thing that I didn't really pick up until toward the end because of the damned specificity of language <laughs> thing is that people live in family units, not in families and I just, uh, dude. Yeah, they're basically, you know, the the babies are created in in the factory or whatever, and taken care of in the or in the nursery, and then assigned to different family units. So it's not like this is your actual mother or this is your actual father. It's just those that have been assigned to to take care of you in your younger years. Father, do you love me? Jonas, precision of language, please. What does love mean? I got a mind. Jonas used a word so antiquated that it no longer has any application. Okay? If you ask, okay. do you enjoy me? The answer is certainly yes. Or do mother and I take pride in your accomplishments? Well, of course we do. Do you understand? Did they mention that at the beginning? Did they make that explicit? Or is that something we just pick up? I, I think we or... mostly pick up on it, but like, you know, they, they had that opening ceremony that they go to and there were several things going on. There was welcoming the new children that had been born. Celebrating the new children, proudly engineered by our esteemed geneticists, produced by our honored birth mothers. These infants will now join their assigned family units. And then there was the... Uh, I can't remember what they were called, but pretty much the old people and that they were going to be, what was the term? I think it was released. Released, yes. They were going to be released and uh, go to the elsewhere or whatever. Ceremony of the release to elsewhere. 
Honoring the elderly citizens who have devoted their work to the beauty and harmony of our beloved community and are now ready for joyous retirement to elsewhere. And so basically, you know, <laughs> you live up to a certain age or capability and then uh, you're killed. I mean, they don't say killed. They say released or whatever. Yeah, they use that word released a bunch of times through the show. And I, I guess I should have anticipated that it meant death because we've seen so many dystopian future movies. But they, they said, you know, anybody who isn't selected for a career will be released into the outside. Uh, if, if somebody doesn't measure up in some way, they are released. And so I, I thought, okay, well, this is a, a, a utopian society, but outside of the city, there is like a, a, a badlands kind of thing right. where anything yeah, goes. Yeah. I, I, I believe the city in Logan's run was like that. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. The, I really had a Logan's Run vibe going. Like they're going to Carousel, where all the the thirty year olds were going to be killed, kind of thing. <laughs> um, and one other thing that I didn't really pick up on, I I didn't feel like they made it explicit enough, was that nobody has emotions in this town, right? In I didn't get that. I, the there's no love. There's no hate obviously but it seems like there was no suffering and all that but the problem was that this kid jonas had his two best friends uh and if i think really hard fiona was the girl and asher asher was the boy but they show them like riding their bikes and grab assing and stuff and they're laughing and having a good time so there are emotions dude they they i i feel like they they didn't tip their hands enough or rein these kids in enough early, early on. So I could understand Maybe they did have emotions. Maybe I misunderstood. Well, like later on in the story, uh, Jeff, the Jeff Bridges character tries to explain, you know, he says, well, there's feelings, but those feelings are fleeting. Emotions. You mean like feelings. Feelings are just fleeting on the surface. But emotions, they're very deep, primal, they linger. Because I remember whenever they would sit down and eat dinner, it's like, oh, okay, Jonas, uh, it's your turn to share your feeling or whatever. You know, just like, how was your day? But how are you feeling kind of thing? But it wasn't necessarily deep emotions like love or... Okay. Hate or that kind of thing. I'm guessing. The parents seemed rather distant. And Katie Holmes seemed absolutely cold yes. at times. But I didn't understand that that's why. And the little sister... So, so Jonas has a little sister who's like nine or something like that. She seemed emotional. She seemed like a, a normal person. Uh, and she was always being taken to task by her parents. You know, we don't mention this. We don't say that specificity of language, goddammit. And I just, <laughs> I, sorry, I just, I hated that phrase so much. Precision of language. And teacher said, that's right, Lily. Very good. Anyhow, they're all going to be given their 
tasks, their jobs, their careers. Assignments, thank you, good. And Jonas is afraid because he doesn't feel like he leans toward one thing. Yeah, because like they they talked about Fiona, and they said, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm you're gonna you're gonna be a caregiver. I just know it. That's your personality and that kind of thing." And but the other two really didn't know what they were gonna be. But especially Jonas, like you're saying, he he just didn't feel like he fit into any of the the categories that. Right, and I wonder. I know this is jumping to the end, but I wonder if they they eased back a little bit on the emotionlessness and the severity of this world so that we wouldn't realize that there was something wrong because Jonas and his friends seemed very alike. Uh, But later we find out that Jonas is not like everybody else. Right. He uh, is special in the same way that the protagonist of every dystopian novel is somehow special. (laughs) Yes. But but yes, cutting to the chase, they have their graduation ceremony and the hologram of the chief elder. Is it chief elder? Chief elder, First, yes. Uh, who is played by Meryl Streep shows up and, and assigns everybody to their assignment. Here are the leaders and the teachers and the workers and birth mothers of tomorrow. And I think we're in very good hands. Number one. Madeline, birth mother, thank you for your childhood. Number two, Ross, instructor of the middles, thank you for your childhood. And everybody gets one except for Jonas. And then at the end, oh, and and while this is going on, he keeps getting what I interpreted as dirty looks from an old man who's one of the elders. Right. But... I, I guess they weren't dirty looks. It was uh, the, the the old man knew what was coming. Anyway, nobody picks Jonas for their team. <laughs> and he is upset by this. And his parents are pretending not to be upset by this. They skipped Jonas. You know, trying to calm the, the little sister who is clearly upset by this. But you can tell that like super hot best friend and super Vulcan-like best friend are both kind of freaked out that Jonas didn't get picked either. Yeah. Because there's like some little comment of, hey, they forgot to pick Jonas. And it's like, oh, the elders don't ever make mistakes. So at the very end, they say Jonas is special. He has all of these attributes. And so he has been chosen to be the receiver of memory. Or is it just the receiver? No, I think it's the, uh, the receiver of memories. We find out that in their city, there is one person who knows all of the history and knows all of what came before and that those memories have been passed from generation to generation to these receivers of memory. And they're the only person that knows any of this stuff, ostensibly. Right. And Jeff Bridges is the current one, but he's old. And they also drop hints over and over and over again that 10 years ago there was a receiver of memory that washed out that did not work that went to the release of the outside whatever they call that and so it's a huge honor for jonas to be the receiver 
And one thing that I I sort of picked up on because I went back to watch this bit was all of them are given rules of what's to be expected of them right? Uh, in this assignment. And Jonas is given like five rules, or maybe it's four. But the first rule that was, I believe that he has to, he can't tell people what he experiences as a receiver of memory. But the second rule was he is now allowed to lie. Right. And that in their society, they were not allowed to lie. And that was kind of interesting to me. I was just like, wait, why? Why is he allowed to lie? Yeah. Can you remember any of the other rules? Uh, let's see. Oh, I uh, One of them was that he would be... He's 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 given the option of not taking his daily medication. Uh, I guess that's something that every single morning they put their hand over some kind of dispenser and it sticks them yeah. with some kind of medicine. And they don't know why. They, you know that's just what you do in this society. Yeah. So you know, on his first day, you know, he wears. He kind of has like a like a little uh, black vest kind of thing that sets him apart as part of his uniform. And he goes off to... And I think Fiona was designated as a as a caregiver, uh, taking care of the babies. And then his friend, Asher, was assigned to be a drone pilot. And that seemed to be, like, what you wanted to be. You know, it was part of the security or surveillance or whatever. And uh, he was really excited about that, being a drone pilot but anyway and so you know he he does talk to fiona as he's going off to to meet with jeff bridges for the first time and and jeff bridges lives out on the uh, on this house cabin kind of thing way out on the edge of the cliff uh looking over the expanse or whatever i can't remember what they called because i i always i would got confused because i thought that was the elsewhere was out off of the city or their community. Right. I I think we were meant to to interpret it that way. Yeah. But then later on we learned that no. If you're released to the elsewhere, you're euthanized pretty much. But anyway, so he goes into this house, into this cabin, and, and it's a pretty big house, and you go down these this spiral staircase down into this huge area, and Jeff Bridges is is down there sitting in a chair, kind of just waiting for, for Jonas to show up. And, you know, Jonas is kind of excited, but nervous. He doesn't know quite what to expect from all this. And so he says, well, sit, sit down. I'm going to share some memories with you. and I'm going to start you off slow. And, you know, this is something that only a receiver can, can know of. And uh, I guess the reason, the reasoning behind one person having the memories from history was that they could advise the elders on things that might be beyond their experience or understanding. And so the the receiver can pull things from the memories and the, the history of, the, of their world before this community was created and, and do that. So anyway, so they kind of lock arms, you know, like put your hands out and they, they grab each other's forearms and uh, somehow through some psychic link or whatever, Jeff Bridges is able to project memories or, or release something that allows Jonas to experience 
memories. And I think his first memory or experience with this was being out in the snow and their weather was controlled in this community. So he had never seen snow or understood it. And um, so he's kind of amazed by all this. And then there was a sled at the top of a hill and he kind of understood what he needed to do, I guess, and got on the sled and slid down the hill and, you know, had a fun time with that. And then he landed or at the bottom of the hill was this house and there was a family in the house singing Christmas songs and wreaths were up and stuff like that. And that was, that was his first memory that he experienced. And, you know, he's like, what was that? You know, and, and Jeff Bridges starts to explain. So every day he comes back and forth to go see. And then he, Jeff Bridger, or I think Jonas says, uh, now, if I'm the receiver of memories, what now what are you? And he says, well, I guess that makes me the giver. <laughs> so that's there's the title there. But as Jonas goes back to the community, you know, he, he really wants to, to share what he's learning with Fiona especially, uh, but also a little bit, I guess, with Asher. But him and Asher start to kind of separate a little bit and not as close as they used to be. I think there's some suspicion there and i got the feeling that asher kind of liked fiona also but i don't know how that works in this society so yeah something that i guess they don't really touch on but is probably in the book is i i don't think there's any sex in their society at all they're they're they they had never heard of kiss yeah until uh the until the he receives these memories and that, and so, like his feelings that are developing toward Fiona, are not only new to him, but they're 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 new to everyone. They're they're alien, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And the one little thing that's a side plot that becomes super important is that they go to the place where Fiona works, the the caregiving place, and that's also where Jonas's father works. And there's a baby there. That is, I believe, undersized or not quite where it needs to be development-wise, but it's just barely close. So they're not going to kill it yet. <laughs> it's labeled as uncertain or something like that. Right. So for some reason, they get to take it home. I mean, it makes sense if his father works at the baby center or whatever you call that, and they I, I the father says something like if it passes then it will be given the name gabriel is it gabriel or gabe no gabriel and jonas feels this connection to the baby i'm sure it was much much stronger in the book turns out they both have the same birthmark the kind of birthmark that only receivers of of knowledge have of memory but anyway he becomes really attached to this baby which like i said becomes important later yeah, and, and it, it, Lily wants the baby to sleep in her room, and so Jonas will go in her room and talk to Gabriel and when he's fussing or whatever, make him feel better, and actually share memories with him a little bit, too. So Yeah, and one of my favorite scenes was that the father has a stuffed elephant, and he's showing it to baby Gabriel, and he says, this is called a hippo. Right. And it was a... It was a mythical creature from stories and then 
later Gabriel after sorry later uh, Jonas after he's had all this instruction and memories put into his head comes in and says no this is called an elephant and it was real I I do like the transfer of memory thing and and as that happens the memories are always in color and as Jonas ha- begins to receive these it opens his eyes and everything starts to color starts to saturate back into the f- the film first it's red and the giver tells Jonas that for him it was yellow was the first color that he saw and that I, I I just I really like that it's it's it was subtle at first and then here comes the color and it becomes more and more profound until he is seeing everything in in HD essentially <laughs> right especially Fiona he looks at Fiona and and something tells me that the actress who plays Fiona is in HD in real life <laughs> she might be. Yeah, I guess we didn't talk about her, the actress, uh, Odea Rush, um, plays Fiona. Yeah, I would have said I'd never seen her in anything, but there was a Goosebumps movie with uh, Jack Black a couple of years ago, and I I remember there being like a super hot teenager in that, and guess what? There you go. So so I have (laughs) seen her before. Anyhow, uh, very, very, very briefly, Jeff Bridges accidentally shows... Jonas war a, a a memory of war and it's very vietnam like it's all i mean it's shot like 70s kind of thing and he sees killing and and weapons and 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 hate and and pain and he uh, jeff bridges was not supposed to give that he was he was experiencing the the memory himself and then Jonas touched him and and it got transferred to him. And when he comes out of it, of course, Jonas is really freaked out. And the giver says, don't, don't leave, please. I I don't, I didn't, I knew you were too, it was too early to give you that. Please don't, don't go. And we sort of get the understanding that that's what happened 10 years ago with the previous receiver is she got something that she she could not handle and never came back. Right. But Jonas overcomes and he does come back and they have these conversations and eventually Jonas understands about death and he understands poverty and he understands starvation and he understands war. And around this time, we find out that when the older people are released, when the people who don't follow the rules are released, when a child is undersized and they're released, that they, they're killed. Yeah. And there's, there's kind of a chilling scene where they watch a memory or something of his dad killing a baby that doesn't meet spec or whatever. And there's no emotion to it. He's just doing his job. It's not like this evil thing that's happening is just, oh, no, this baby didn't meet it. So here you go. And, and gives him an injection in his vein in his head kind of thing and kills the baby and puts it down a chute. And yeah, it was just kind of chilling to see the lack of emotion in that scene, I thought. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it's before or after that we find out what happened with the last receiver. And what's weird is 
She was Taylor Swift. <laughs> she was. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just it so strange that it just took me out of the movie. All of it. no, she was the daughter of the giver of Jeff Bridges' character, and she was going to be his replacement as the receiver of memory. And we see a couple of flashbacks with her teaching him how to play the piano. Right. That's that's right. Anyway, she gets some emotion. Sorry, some memory from her father, and uh, she freaks out about it, and she asks to be released from from her duty, from her job, and so they release her, and yep. that's again, it was it was maybe it was a little too subtle that parents don't have attachment to their children in that way, uh, so that we understand exactly how badly the giver felt about losing his daughter. Yeah. Nobody else feels that passionately. Nobody. And uh, the only other person that seems to have any emotion at all is the, the chief elder, but she just has bad guy emotions. And so Jonas has his eyes opened and he really enjoys getting these new memories and finding out about the past of the world and the, and that, that there is more out there or was more out there. And he tries to share that with Fiona. He wants her to not take her medication and he wants her to do naked stuff with him. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. He does kiss her under the waterfall. And she kisses him back because at this point she also has skipped her uh, her injection. Yeah, but she's definitely confused about what she's feeling, and you know, not used to to feeling anything emotion wise. But yeah, that was a good scene too. I thought. Yeah, it was. They, they have like this little hideout place in a uh, behind a fountain in the center of town, something that they they pound a way out again and again is that uh, there's children and then people put away their childhood and they, they, they graduate to adulthood. And uh, if you do things like, you know, play or <laughs> walk through a fountain, that's something that children do and adults don't do that. Yeah. There, there is responsibility in this world, but there's not really anything else. And to make a long story short, the chief elder has been observing this aberrant behavior from Jonas and the bad influence he is on Fiona. I think at some point Jonas comes home and the baby is gone. Gabriel is gone. And at this, uh, and he knows now what happens to children that don't pass the whatever minimum of of health or growth or or something uh and so he knows that they're going to kill the baby uh and i believe that at that point he runs into asher his his friend and he punches asher yeah because he's leaving late at night and oh, that's, that's that's right <laughs> there's a curfew you can't go out after curfew and so yeah he's he's getting on his bike and uh leaving and and Asher sees him out his window and and tries to stop him and yeah and then Jonas punches him and knocks him down and takes off. Uh anyhow, 
the chief elder has been observing all of this, and she sort of puts two and two and two and two together. Uh, I believe Fiona is arrested, essentially, and taken uh, to be questioned. Asher is 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 questioned and tells the chief elder, elder that he was struck by Jonas. And they listen to the previous conversations. I believe the chief elder sends her hologram to the giver. Please stand by for a transmission. I apologize for the intrusion. I accept your apology. We have a problem. The receiver in training is missing, and he physically attacked his friend Asher. He did. That's serious. Do you know where Jonas is? I do not. Well, thank you very much for helping us to narrow down the possibilities. I will contact you if he comes here. Only if it's not an imposition. Thank you. He's lying. The, the ugly head of authoritarianism rises and we find out that Fiona is going to be killed. The giver is going to be killed. And, and certainly Jonas is probably going to be killed too. Jonas uh, has gone to rescue baby Gabriel. And, and we get an action sequence late in the film. And it was weird that we got an action sequence because it wasn't an action movie up till that point. Yeah. But there's all these essentially stormtroopers that come after Jonas and he grabs the baby and puts it in like a futuristic bassinet thing. And he runs and, uh, Fiona helps out by taking uh, uh, an identical bassinet that doesn't have a baby in it and getting the stormtroopers to chase her. Close the blast doors. Close the blast doors. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it wasn't as stormtroopery as that Ryan Reynolds movie that we saw earlier this year, but it, and also I, I don't think they have weapons in their society. Did they have shock things that shocked people? I can't remember. <laughs> Did they? I, maybe they did have tasers, but anyway, ascent, uh, um, Jonas steals a motorcycle from one of the stormtroopers and puts the baby on the front of the motorcycle and just takes off and, uh, and drives and drives and drives all the way past the giver's house and off the cliff. And it's just a gully, essentially. It, it's, he doesn't crash. He doesn't blow up or anything like that. He's just in the outside world. Yeah. And I believe that the chief elder asks Asher to send his drone to, there, there's a word that she says, lose him or something like that. But we know what it means. Yeah, because the, the giver had explained that there's this boundary way out beyond. There's all these pillars and there's a boundary, and if a giver, or a re I should say a receiver, ever gets past that boundary, that breaks everything down, and everybody will be able to receive memories at that point. But and how? I don't know. That's that's the, the weakest point of this movie, is how is that possible, that if you go past this barrier, some kind of a wave goes through and gives everybody emotions. Again. But it's not like a machine that is keeping the 
the memories in, is it? I, it's just, I, di- I didn't understand how it worked. It was just magic, essentially. Yeah, essentially. When you cross this border, everybody suddenly, well, I'm giving away the ending, but of course that's, that's what was going to happen. His friend Asher doesn't kill him. He, he drops him into the river with the baby and the baby thing was really interesting because <laughs> Jonas goes through a lot, but the whole time he's got a newborn with him. And I guess that just required us to suspend our disbelief because, boy, they, they they go on a journey. And when they're like trudging through s- snow. And- yeah, he goes through the desert because eventually the, the bike loses power or whatever. And so right. he has to, has to hoof it. And he has to go through desert, and then to get over the border, he has to go over these mountains, so he's in the freezing snow. And Yeah, he manages to go, and yeah, there's a point where he, like, falls over, and, you know, I guess he's, he's exhausted. And uh, I just kept thinking about this poor baby, the, the world's toughest baby, and yet they were going to exterminate it for not being strong enough. <laughs> True. Anyway, to make a long story short... They are going to execute the giver and Fiona, but they allow the giver to witness Fiona's execution. No, her release. What? <laughs> I said no, her release. Yeah, right, right. They're going to release her. And, and weirdly enough, it's Jonas's father that's going to administer the lethal injection, which I guess is fine. But it's like Jonas's mother was supposed to be like the chief of police or something like that. But we never really got to see her do anything except for scowl. <laughs> but I wondered if the father was going to do this or not. If he was going to choose not to do this. Because outside of the execution chamber, Jeff Bridges is giving this impassioned speech about what the world used to be and it becomes clear that the chief elder knows all of this. She knows exactly what the world used to be and that there were homeless people and there was disease and there was poverty and there was one nation that was richer than another nation and allowed that other nation to die because of greed and corruption. And yet, you and Jonas want to open that door again. Bring all that back. If you could only see the possibility of life. Of love. With love, love just, comes faith, with comes hope. Love is just passion that can turn. It turns we, we into contempt and murder. We could choose better. <laughs> people are weak. People are selfish. When people have the freedom to choose, they choose wrong every single time. He tries to explain about love and that people can care for one another and help one another. Her name was Rosemary. She was my daughter. I loved her. And of course she says... Precision of language. (laughs) Could not be more precise. Do you know what that's like? And I thought, okay, well, his words are going to get through to Jonas's father, and he's going to choose not to kill the girl. But... That point is moot, essentially. And I also wondered, well, maybe the words will get through to the mother because she's his mother. Maybe she actually does feel love 
for her son and she will speak up in his defense and, and argue with the chief elder. But that also didn't happen. What happened was that Jonas finds the strength to get up and walk through the snow and he finds a sled <laughs> and he gets on the sled with the baby and they go down the hill and it bursts through this barrier, right? The And as soon as that happens, color floods into the world and everybody's spell, I guess, is, is broken. I am assuming because the movie just ends. We don't, we don't see people, we don't see like his father look at his mother and say, uh, hey, you're really hot <laughs> or any of that stuff. Or, you know, hey, I'm so sorry that I was going to kill you, pretty girl. Um, none of that. We don't get to see the chief elder feel and say, oh my gosh, I, I was wrong. What, how, how have I been spent my whole life without these feelings or or, you know, or what's going to happen? And the giver says, well, we'll figure it out together. And that's the thing that's important. We needed all of that stuff, but we get none of it. What we get is there's a, a house with lights on and Christmas music going on inside. And Jonas and baby Gabriel walk toward it. With some voiceover from Jonas. But... Okay, what does Jonas say? Uh, he's just talking about, I wish I could have been there to see everybody. I wish I had been there when the memories returned. They were the truth. The elders and their rules were the lie. So I do not apologize. I knew Fiona was safe. That I'd see her again. And that I held the future there in my arms. The giver had led us here, to this house. It was real. From far behind me, from the place I had left, I thought I heard music too. Perhaps it was only an echo, but it was enough. It would lead us all home. Today I took a walk in the clouds. Today I took yeah, then you get this awful One Republic song that was actually called Ordinary Human. And it was weird because the type, the name of the song comes up on the screen before we've seen like any of the cast's names yet. And it said Ordinary Human by One Republic. <laughs> and I just, I, I'm not sure, I, I shouldn't be complaining. There's nothing wrong with One Republic. There's nothing wrong with humans. There's nothing wrong with being ordinary. Listener, you're, you who are hearing my voice right now, you are ordinary. You are not special. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> Anyhow, sorry, the movie started out really, really good. And by the end, I was like, oh, well, this, 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 this didn't work. But I don't know at what point it stopped working. How did you feel? Precision I, of language, please. <laughs> I, I think it, it worked right up until the very end. You know, I thought the... Well, I mean, we knew he was going toward the border and that that was supposed to solve everything. But they never explained how that worked. Was it science? Was it magic? Was it, you know, what what was this barrier? Why did you have to go past it? And then the sled thing was a little too weird with the, you know, the beginning, his first memory was a sled going down the hill and 
Maybe the book does a better job of explaining the significance of that, but I thought that was a little bit too convenient that a sled got him down the hill, time to save Fiona, and then he goes to the same house that he saw in his memory. You know, was he seeing the future instead of seeing the the past? Was he just imagining the music that he heard, or was it actually there? And then, you're right, all the things to tie up the loose ends and to see the effect of what these people were now that had never felt emotions or never understood, you know, what, what happened to these people? How did it affect them? Uh, we never saw that. And so I, th- I think right up until the end, it, it works. And then it just kind of falls flat and ends. And, but it's very interesting premise, very, well executed, I think, with like we talked about with the black and white and then introducing the color a little bit at a time and realizing that this utopia was not so great. Just all the little things we learned along the way, I thought it did a great job of doing, giving us all that right up until the end. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how you'd handle it better, except for I would have liked to see the fallout of the people. For example, Asher who is played by the Joker-looking kid from from Gotham, uh, who's Cal Kestis in the Star Wars games. Oh, right. Okay, um, that's, I thought he looked familiar. He's He was born to play a villain. He is the, he's got this just absolutely Metastophelian face. <laughs> but seems like something, there, there was some kind of affection, some kind of connection that he had with Jonas that prevented him from killing him. Although... He basically drops him off of a cliff with the baby in his arms. So I'm not sure if if that was so effective of a yeah, choice. Yeah, I, mean, I guess he could have dropped him on the ground instead of in a river. But He also seemed jealous and seemed antagonistic toward Jonas, but not overly so. Not, not enough, just, just enough to be an, a hindrance. But I, I, anyhow, I just, I, the, the parents also, I found just interesting. I wanted to see them change. I just wanted to see the difference that there was a scene where Katie Holmes was interrogating Fiona and asking her this, these questions. And I expected there to be like a connection uh, between the two of them because they both have feelings for Jonas. Yeah. One of them has motherly feelings and the other has, you know, young girl blossoming feelings. But but that didn't happen. And yeah, well, I think you, we, we would expect a mother to have those feelings, but I don't think she ever did have those motherly feelings. She was just doing her responsibility and taking care of Jonas and his sister. I mean, she she cared about them as far as her responsibility. But yeah, because she was kind of didn't like what was going on with Jonas either and seeing the changes in him. So, yeah, I, I, you're right. I, I just, I was disappointed by the ending, especially because about halfway through the movie, I was like, dude, this is, this is really good. I'm starting to feel things myself. There's a moment where, and I guess I already described it, where the chief elder is explaining how crappy our world is, the world that they had hundreds of years ago in the past. And, it reminded me of that moment in the very first episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds 
where they showed li- what led up to the second civil war oh, right. in America. And then uh, World War Three comes out of that. And it was chilling on Star Trek because I was like, oh, no, that is right about to happen. And and it was a little bit like that, too, where it's just like, OK, our, clearly we have reached the end of our society in 2022, according to these futuristic dystopian or whatever you want to call them, because uh, Star Trek is utopian, usually. Right. Visions of the future. And it's just, yeah, it's it, it reminds me of in The Matrix when they said that they fashioned the Matrix about the peak of our society before it all came crumbling down. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, sorry, I I guess I I wanted to talk to you about it. I wanted to know if you felt the same way that I did. I wanted to know about the black and white. Uh, it was a very good looking film. It was not badly directed or acted. It just didn't satisfy me at the end. It didn't fulfill the potential that this really cool story had. And I've never read the book and you've never read the book, but I'd like to talk to somebody who has and find out how it's different. And I looked and Wikipedia says that The Giver, the 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 Lois Lowry book, is one of the most frequently challenged books on the really? middle school list on on it's ranked number 11 on the American Library Association list of the most challenged books huh. and it makes me think okay why what is what was there that clearly this movie didn't have i was furious by the way when i saw that it was a pg13 cuz how how does anything get a pg anymore if this got a pg13 but then i thought well there was a war flashback and they did inject a an infant with a needle that made it die and so that's pretty pg-13 anyway if you have read the book i want to know mention in the comments or something if i need to check out the book if the movie deviates greatly from the book if the movie is a very good summary of the book etc etc yeah, and I, you know, I guess one of the things I appreciate about it, because I, you know, I've seen all of the other ones that we've talked about, the Maze Runner and the Hunger Games and the Divergent, you know, that, that just kind you of fell. You saw Divergent? Oh, yeah, I've seen, because it kind of fell in with our our family dynamics, you know, the, the kids wanted to see all those, so we ended up watching all of those. But wasn't that the movie we were, the, the, the other movie we were going to watch, it was going to be either The Giver or Divergent? No. Oh, I didn't I didn't mention what the what the poll was. Well, I think maybe in our conversations we were trying to decide which which movies to put on the poll. So the four that we put up on the poll was Pompeii, Noah, The Seventh Son, and The Giver. Seventh Son also has Jeff Bridges in it. It does. And then it got down to just, uh, there was a tiebreaker between Pompeii and The Giver. And eventually The the Giver won out. But yes, I, I had created a list, a huge list of all the movies that kind of fit into our criteria for 2014. And you and I kind of said which ones we wanted to, thought would be good to add to the poll. So And so we were talking about, do we want to put Divergent on the list or The Giver and... I think ultimately you said, oh, let's let's put the giver on there. 
Well, right. I said if we saw Divergent, there are like two sequels to that too. So we'd be committing to more. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so I guess, you know, going back to that, the thing that I appreciated about this movie compared to all those other YA dystopia movies of the time was that it was simple. It stuck to a simple premise and it explored that and it didn't really have any of the subplots or all of these huge machinations going on. It just kind of played its course and then finished off. And that was kind of nice. It was just a nice, simple story giving us the exploring the premise that we were given, I guess. So one of the things that bothered me and I, it bothers me in several of Jeff Bridges's roles was the voice that he puts out. <laughs> it's not his normal voice. It's like his gravelly old man voice. And I, I've seen it in a couple that like, I think he did the same kind of thing in uh, true grit, even though I really enjoyed true grit. It, it just, he, he puts on this effect on his voice. It's just very hard to, to read. Kind of, I don't know. That's, that's probably even better than what he, and that, that kind of bothers me when he does that, but. Yeah. He, he'd like jutted out his lower lip really, really right. strongly. And it, it just made him, I, I see, I think he was playing an older character than he is himself. Yeah. I, the, the, apparently he was attached to this movie for years and years and years back in like 94 or 95. He got the rights to the movie and he said that he had seen the cover of the book and thought, hey, this would be good for my dad, for Lloyd Bridges, oh. to play this old man. And so he bought the rights or, 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 you know, signed on as a producer to make this movie for Lloyd. And the years went by and it kept not getting made and not getting made until Lloyd Bridges eventually died. And then... You know, he was still attached to it, and so he signed on to play the giver. Yeah. Uh, but th I know this from the little making of that was on the d DVD, and he said, you know, for, for 20 years we tried to get it made, and it wouldn't. nobody would make it, and then The Hunger Games came out. <laughs> <laughs> and so suddenly we were able to, uh, we were finally able to make it. It's interesting that you were saying that it was the most contested book well 11th or yeah right number one of the top ones the top top 20 because i i thought they did a good job of it didn't make any current political party you know, no republicans or democrats it didn't try to make it look like all the democrats were evil or all the republicans were evil or whatever it just this society these these elders mainly the chief elder you know, it, it, I thought it did a good job of just, you know, this is what happens if <laughs> you, you try to control everything in a society and not let people have their own choices, their own free agency kind of thing. And in, in that way, it was, it's, it's more of just a, you know, a, a thought experiment or a, an idea kind of a picture more than a character driven one. Well, I, I'm not sure what else to say about it. I did like that it wasn't an allegory for high school, unless maybe it was, <laughs> and I didn't pick up on it. I think the book was from before that era, 
where every book was about high school. Yeah. Only, you know, it's like, what if the future is high school? Uh, there's still the, uh, you know, I don't know what I want to be. And you're forced to be that thing on the 18th. And if you're not that, sorry, when you turn 18 and if you're not that, then you are executed. But, <laughs> but it wasn't as ham handed as some of these others are where it's just <laughs> high school, but in the military. High school, but in for thirty-year-olds, <laughs> you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, it was kind of weird when Taylor Swift was playing the piano, and she's like, you know, I'm never, ever, 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 ever getting back with you. That was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't pick up on that until the third ever. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, man. Uh, I thank you for making me watch this movie. Uh, I wish that you and I could have watched it together just because it was lonely watching it last night, but you wouldn't <laughs> have had to listen to me go, holy crap, that chick is hot, <laughs> which has to be really irritating for the ghosts that watched it with me. Yeah, but you, you've always kind of been that way about Meryl Streep, so. <laughs> yeah, no, this was good. I'm, I'm glad we we watched it. I, I was, to be honest, going into it, I was kind of dreading watching it. So I, I was definitely pleasantly surprised when when it turned out to be good. Well, they won't always be. <laughs> you will, you will not always be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> so uh, I hope that people enjoyed this. Please remind them how they can support us. Yes. Uh, well, you can you can contact us and leave any comments or questions at journeyintopodcast at gmail dot com. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, uh, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash journey into and join up at just $1 a month and uh, look at what we have there. It'd be great to get have your, your support and know that, that people are behind the, the podcast, whether it's the outfield excursions or the delusions of grandeur or the regular journey into episodes. Um, you can also support Rish over at patreon.com slash Rish Outfield and uh, check out what all the extra cool stuff that he has over there on his Patreon. Well, we don't know what our next movie is going to be. Well, I was, I was wondering about, I was thinking, is it, is it time for another Star Wars knockoff movie? I kind of envisioned that to be in May, but we missed it last year too. <laughs> so, uh, we didn't watch uh, Battle Beyond the Stars last year. We did last year, but it's, it's now it's a year later. So, but it was around this time. It wasn't in May. Oh, May. Okay, that's that. That's why you're thinking that. Yeah, well, I'm. I'm always up for something like that. And uh, there are always Indiana Jones ripoffs that I would like to watch with you too. So, so that that's probably what's coming next. But uh, we'll we'll let you know. But uh, yes, so this is this has been Marshall Latham. I have been Marshall Latham. Come on, specificity of language, dude. <laughs> oh, Marshall L. Latham. Yeah, sorry about that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And I have been Rich Outfield. And uh, thank you for your childhood. Oh, thank you. Yes, that's that was really good. They must have said thank you for their childhood twenty times during the movie. They did. All right, good night, everyone. Good night.
Uh, hi there. I I hope you enjoyed the podcast. It would be nice if you shared this with all of your friends and family. Uh, even people you you don't know, really. But but it would be great if you if you don't try to use it in weird ways and or, or get rich. Um, hey hey Marshall, people don't know what you're talking about. Please, precision of language. Oh right, uh, feel free to share this podcast with anybody you would like, but you cannot alter the audio or try to sell it. You also must provide proper attribution and let people know the source of the audio. How was that? Fine, but tell the folks why they need to follow these rules. Yes, right. Well, there is this Creative Commons license thing, which it's kind of like copyright, but, well, it, 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 it's different. Marshall! Precision of language. This podcast is produced under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Thus you cannot change it, profit from it, or take credit for it. Very good. I apologize for my poor performance. I accept your apology. You know, it started with me. I was looking for a movie uh, to direct my father, Lloyd Bridges, in. And uh, I wanted to make a children's movie, something that my kids could uh, watch. So I got a, a catalog of children's books. And I saw this wonderful uh, photograph on the cover of a book. It turns out that Lois took this photograph of this kind of grizzled old guy. You took the photo? I didn't realize that. And I thought, oh, my dad can play that part. Anyway, I thought it was going to be a cinch to get the movie made uh, because it was such a popular book, and there was I mean, there were curriculums in, in schools that uh, yeah. you know, stu- to study. It the builds new movie. fans every generation. But of it turns out, it turns out, as I you know found out, uh, trying to get the thing made, is that it's kind of quite controversial as well. As a matter of fact, Lois and I were just in Vegas. Uh, at a conference all about banned books. Yeah. So at the same time, while it was taught in schools, it was also banned in, 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 in many. So it took all this time, yeah. and, and uh, thank God that uh, Walden Media and uh, Harvey Weinstein uh, stepped up. and Hard to adapt to because it's a fable. And when you put it on screen, it becomes a little more real. Right? I don't know how you define fable, but it is certainly a very introspective. Allegorical. And everything... That happens is vivid, but it's within the, the mind of the boy. So how do you put that on the screen? So he calls me up and he's like, I still love you. And I'm like, I'm just, I mean, this is exhausting, you know? Like, we're never getting back together. Like, ever. No!
Did I lose you, sir? Oh, it looks like he did. Dang it. <sighs> hey. Hey. <laughs> that was the, that was my fault that time. I pressed the button accidentally. It's always your fault. It was. Uh, but uh, it, so I, the last thing you were talking about was the black and white, how you thought it was. Yeah, I waited for your comment, and then it never came. Yeah. Jonas is special. He has all of these attributes. Did you hang up again? Did you hang up again? <laughs> I didn't do it that time. I don't know what happened. Okay. So very, very briefly, they yeah, say that Jonas has all of these qualities. Well, I, I forgot to tell you before we started, I, I wanted to do a gag where you said that. So just in general, how, what did you, did you, did you like the movie or, and I was just going to be really vague. And then I wanted you to say specific, oh, no. specificity of language, Marshall. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. This can be an outtake, but I hated the specificity of language thing. Is that what they said? Oh, every time they said it, I got angrier. And that part at the very end where she says it to Jeff Bridges, I, I, I oh my gosh, I wanted to scream at the, <laughs> at the, uh, the, the, the screen. The first couple of times they did it, I was just like, what are you talking about? That's it. It's not like he spoke in a different language, you piece. And, ah, uh, okay. But, but, but what's weird is as negative as my reaction was to that, every time they said, you know, I apologize for this. And someone would say, I accept your apology. I loved that. I yeah. loved that there was some kind of weird ritual of always saying, I accept your apology. Anyway, that can be an outtake. I would be happy to participate in your cruel game. <laughs> uh, so where do we leave off? Or... Well, so tell me, uh, your your feelings on the film, I mean, What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was fine. I, th I thought it was uh, was good. Come on, Marshall. <laughs> you know, generally, I think that the characters were uh, well drawn out and things like that. So <laughs> you're not being vague enough, so I can say specificity. Oh, of darn. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Okay, so I'm going to ask again, and this time just be really wishy-washy and not committing whether you liked it or not, okay? Oh, okay. So I just let, I mean, what did you think overall? Did you hang up again? Nope. Oh. I'm here. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> I I thought it was interesting. interesting. I thought uh, they made some, some very interesting choices. Interesting. I don't well, know. <laughs> Marshall, specificity of language, please. Oh, oh, right. Specificity of language. I thought the art direction was particularly uh, good in this film. <laughs> I don't know. I probably ruined that whole thing. But Well, I think maybe in our conversations... We are trying to decide which which movies to put on the poll. Um, 
Let me pull that up, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to pull it up too. I I remember that it was really tight, the 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 race. Come on, internet. You'll never find it. Never. <laughs> Precision of language, please. Hey there, welcome to the journey into main feed. This is uh, Marshall Latham reminding you that uh, there is a Patreon for this podcast and this episode of Outfield Excursions where Rish and I talk about The Giver uh, premiered back on the Patreon page back in August. And uh, it's just now coming to the main feed because I just posted the latest episode of the Outfield Excursions where we talk about a Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. So if you'd like to get a jump start on the next episode, uh, head on over to Patreon and sign up for just a dollar a month. And uh, there's other options over there with other extra shows. So uh, go check it out at patreon.com slash journey into. But right now, I'll let you get back to the main show. <laughs> 